This is the 22nd installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio magazine podcast. Ear to the Ground features interviews and field reports related to sustainable agriculture, family farming, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm your host, Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. Federal farm policy has a major impact on everything from how our land is taken care of and the economic health of our rural communities to what our children eat in school and the safety of our food supply. For several years, LSP staff and members have been working to reform federal agricultural policy to make it more accountable to the people it is supposed to serve, farmers and consumers. Most recently, we have been pushing for reforms that would reward farmers for being good stewards of the land while improving food security for everyone. Debate over the next farm bill, which is supposed to be written in 2007, is already heating up here and in Washington. LSP is in the thick of that debate. I recently sat down to talk with Mark Schultz, LSP's Policy Program Director, about what can be done to create farm policy that benefits our land and its people. Yeah, since since, af- since uh, after the war, since about 1948, we've had a farm bill every five or six years. The last one was in 2002, so people refer to the upcoming one as the 2007 Farm Bill. And basically the Farm Bill governs the sort of the major portion of U.S. farm and food policy, for the five or six years that it's in effect. It has, uh, it has programs for conservation. It has a major uh, title of the Farm Bill each year. Each time it's passed is on commodity programs in terms of support of crops like corn and soybeans and rice and cotton and wheat. Um, there's a, a food and nutrition title, which is very large, which covers the women's, infants, and children's program and the food stamps program, sort of anti-hunger programs. There's titles on research, etc. Um, so we're coming up now, uh, and the debate has begun around what should this next farm bill be. Uh, Land Stewardship Project believes we need a new farm bill. Uh, the one we have now it drives agriculture primarily in the wrong direction. And uh, we need to get to the work of uh, sort of improving on some of the improvements we made last time uh, through our work in the 2002 Farm Bill. However, uh, the major commodity groups, the national corn growers, the national soybean growers, the big kind of more industrial ag-focused organizations, they're all clamoring for a delay to the Farm Bill. Uh, They don't want one now. Um, They say it's just fine. But we're just feeling that ordinary citizens, consumers, family farmers, people concerned about conservation and the environment really see there needs to be a change to this farm bill, a reform to improve it. The big victory in the 2002 farm bill, and you know, as Land Stewardship Project, we're very proud of this, is our role in uh, enacting the Conservation Security Program, which uh, as as enacted in the 2002 Farm Bill, as authored by Senator Tom Harkin out of Iowa, who championed it, uh, was the first ever conservation program which put conservation on working lands, on farmland that you're actually farming or ranch land that you're grazing or you know ranching on, on a par with the commodity programs. And um, that's a big advance because... Previous to the 2002 Farm Bill, we'd had about 20 years of where conservation was overwhelmingly about setting land aside and not farming it, 
And while that has had some benefits, there's some downsides to that as well. We really wanted to get at the stewardship of working farmlands, and that's what the Conservation Security Program does. So that was a major advance forward, and a lot of the work of Land Stewardship Project's Federal Farm Policy Committee, the eight-member farmers who make up that committee for us, was to actually design the prototype for that program. And four months before Senator Harkin even introduced the Conservation Security Act, we were sitting down in his office in Washington with our prototype, and he took a lot of those ideas in, into the Conservation Security Program. So it shows that, you know, Land Stewardship Project, I mean, 2,500 families or households or members were primarily in the upper Midwest, but we can have an impact as an organization. So for us, it was kind of a coming-of-age farm bill, too. It was like, you know, we can do this. So this year, this for the 2007 farm bill, we're we're quite excited because, uh, one, we have a good program to build on. We want to build and expand the conservation security program. Mm-hmm. As enacted in law, it's excellent. As implemented and funded by the Bush administration and by this Congress, they strangled it, not quite to death, <laughs> but they strangled it. And we need to have it in every watershed in the country so every farmer has the chance to apply every year because then it's an incentive for improved stewardship of the land every year. Um, in the in this coming Farm Bill, not only do we want to build off the Conservation Security Program, but we're really excited by something we're, we've called the New Farm Initiative. Um, and the New Farm Initiative is kind of about new farms in two senses. One, we want a beginning farmer act, the first ever legislation that would be part of this farm bill that really took beginning farmers as the policy focus. What can we do to support beginning farmers in this country? It's incredibly important, especially as agriculture is changing, that we're providing the kind of mentoring and support, training, resources, credit, access to land that beginning farmers, American farmers need today. Um, but at the same token, not only are new farms beginning farmers, but we, we're referring to the kind of new farms that you know consumers are are coming in contact with when they're buying local foods, mm-hmm. when they're when they're thinking about oh well let's get Organic Valley. Well, there's a lot of our f- farms here in the Upper Midwest are, are producing for Organic Valley, or Pastureland Creamery, or CSA Farms that so many people have come to to get their their vegetables from during the season you know what kind of policy will support an infrastructure that means we'll have more of these farms that more people will have access to this wonderful locally grown food that's so healthy for us and is so good for the environment so the new farm initiative looks at an array of policies from beginning farmer policy to farm to cafeteria programs how we can get local foods into schools to other sorts of mechanisms so we can grow that that vibrant and growing edge of agriculture that we see all around us you know going back a little bit to csp uh i guess one big advantage we would have in this year's debate on the farm bill is that before it was still kind of a theoretical program we could say this is revolutionary it's going to change things but now we have we have had I don't know how many is it two or three signups through CSP where we have had LSP members and others conservation farmers who have been able to use this program and show yeah it works and it's it even with limited funding has had some pretty positive impacts yeah that's absolutely right there's twenty thousand U.S. farmers now who are have signed up and have CS conservation security program 
contracts. Um, they're spread out in about 240 or so watersheds around the country. Um, and they are both being rewarded for the actual environmental benefits they provide for society because of their good stewardship of farmland. And there's incentives and uh, steps where they are improving that conservation, that stewardship further. So we're seeing tangible results. We have members, you know, who um, are in 10-year contracts now where because of the, of the wealth of benefits they provide to society, clean water, building soil rather than eroding it, m more and more wildlife habitat. Because of, because of those benefits they're providing, they're, they're getting $5,000, dollars $15,000 from the Conservation Security Program each year to help with their sustainable family farm operation. We, LSP had a fly-in in, uh, was it April? Uh, yes. Where we took uh, uh, over a dozen members, farmers, out to talk to some of the decision makers about the 2007 Farm Bill. Can you talk a little bit about some of the messages they were taking and how receptive people were to that? Absolutely. And unfortunately, I didn't get to go on that trip, but uh, I talked to just about everybody who did, and it was part of the preparation. It was a great trip. Um, uh, we had uh, three beginning farmers in that trip. We had a mentor of a beginning farmer in that trip. And we had at least two people who are uh, in conservation security program in that trip. So people were speaking from their experience. And like you said, being able to build, build off of that experience, CSP, CSP, the conservation security program, not just an idea, but is out there in practice. And to affirm how good it is and to talk about how it needs to be improved and expanded. Or for beginning farmers to say, here's the obstacle. You know, Representative Gudnick, Senator Grassley, Senator Coleman, Senator Dayton, you know, Representative Peterson. Here's the obstacle for farmers like me. Here's what I'm facing right now. Or for Leslie Hodgson, one of our members, she was there with her husband Brad. Leslie grew up, you know, a few blocks from where we're sitting right now on 42nd Street in South Minneapolis. And so when we met with Ag Secretary Mike Johans, all of all of the people on the trip met with Secretary Johans. You know, she told the 42nd Street story about how she wanted to farm as a young kid, how she wanted an independent small business lifestyle, but it was related to the land and the food. And how she, they, she and Brad have pursued that with the help of the Farm Beginnings Program of Land Stewardship Project. They've now been farming seven years, I believe, mm -hmm. and um, but still face obstacles. And talking about, well, those are the kinds of folks we want. We want people who want to farm and want to farm in a way that cares for the land and provides good food for people. So... You know, the, those kinds of meetings, sitting down with Representative Gutnick, sitting down with Senator Dayton, you know, and um, that was kind of a prelude to, you know, a, sort of a preparation course for when we go, we're going to go again in September. And with that one, we're going to have more and more specific policy proposals. You know, here is our new farm initiative. Mm -hmm. These are the five policies we want you to support. Will you author one of them, Representative Gutnick? If not, why not? This is what we need right. as farmers and as consumers. Um, another thing we've got going on right now is street actions. Uh, we're yeah. going out and yeah. uh, uh, talking to people a little bit about the importance of, ha of actually having a farm bill. I mean, that might be 
I would think, especially for people who aren't involved with farming, it's that may be a little bit of a hard sell, or you may take a little bit of background. How, how's that? How are you going about doing that? Well, you know, Brian, you've been around a while too, and you know how people say, "Well, we got to get consumers on our side. We got to get consumers." You know, they're not going to understand the farm bill. How are we going to get consumers on our side? And of course, there's lots of ways, and one of them is like serve healthy, delicious food, and they get on your side pretty quick. One of the major results of U.S. farm policy over the past 15 years is factory farms. The reason that is, is our current farm bills, and it's been this way at least since 85, um, subsidize the massive overproduction of corn and soybeans, also wheat, cotton, and rice. Mm -hmm. Corn and soybeans are the major feeds for confined livestock. If a family farm is doing the right thing with it, they've got alfalfa and pasture, they've got some corn, maybe some beans, and they've got, but they've got this diversified rotation. Maybe they've got some small grains like oats there too. And they're feeding their own corn to their hogs or to their cows. And then they're bringing that manure from those animals back on to fertilize the land. That kind of a system is, you know, that's a basic building block of what we would call sustainable agriculture. Right. But that farmer to grow that corn is probably producing it anywhere between $2.10 to $2.90 a bushel. I mean, depending on their land and et cetera. But because of our farm policy that we've got, premium standard farms or uh, Christensen farms here in, in Minnesota, huge factory farms with hundreds of thousands of sows in confinement, they can buy that corn for about a buck fifty a bushel because that's the market price right and then you and i and everybody who's listening to this the u.s taxpayer subsidize above that dollar fifty a bushel to about no you know buck ninety or two dollars a bushel to keep the farmer out there overproducing so farmers are following the, the government program they're growing the things that they know they can get the subsidy for they're growing so much of it it drives the market price way down where the confinement operations that have to buy their feed because they don't raise it can get it cheap, much cheaper than what the family farm can. We need to change that. It's environmentally destructive because it generates factory farms, but also because of the massive use of, you know, row crops and soil erosion, sometimes overuse of chemicals. But also, um, you end up with animals that are grown in confinement that... It's really not not healthy for them. It's not good. It's not a good way to treat animals in this society. We want humane treatment of animals. Well, I think that that scenario you just described kind of helps answer the question. A lot of a lot of times people say, "Well, if the farm policy is so dysfunctional, how has it gone on so long without getting some major reforms?" Well, you've just shown there's some pretty powerful interests that like the status quo. It works very well for them. Right. Yeah. If you went over to Wyzetta and went and visited at Cargill and said, gosh, how does this farm bill work? How does it keep going on like this? They would have an answer for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so I want to get back to the street action. So we're thinking, well, so we want ordinary people who are actually paying for this farm bill. Two years ago, there was an estimate that came out that the, the average family of four in Minnesota was paying $400 in U.S. taxes for the commodity program, for the subsidy of corn, soybeans, wheat, cotton, and rice, and getting out of it not public goods, but public bads. I mean, environmental devastation, factory farms, et cetera. 
So what if we said, well, let's take that money and let's turn it into public goods? That's the concept of the Conservation Security Program. Let's get, if there's a public investment in agriculture, let's get public benefits out of it. So when we go out on the street and you saw Rachel leaving today with her ironing board that she sets up the petitions on and she's meeting a volunteer and they're going to set up on a busy street corner, they're going to say, hey, take a minute to help stop factory farms, help, help family farms in the environment. Will you take a minute to look at this petition? People don't like factory farms. They like family farms right. and they support a healthy environment. So they'll say, sure, I'll take a look. They'll read the petition. And it's got the new farm initiative and reform to the commodity programs and the conservation security program in simple language. And they sign. They sign at the rate of 50 people per hour per site. Wow. And they know what they're signing. They're signing something that says, I'm paying for something that's not working and is not good, and I want a change to this. And I'm signing as a U.S. citizen and as a taxpayer. They get a flyer, and if they're real interested, which some of them are, we'll give them a call, and they'll be out there the next weekend helping get more signatures. Yeah. So if anybody listening to this wants to help, give us a call. Well, that's exciting because uh, a lot of lip service is given to, we got to, like you said, we've got to get consumers involved. We've got to get the general public involved. But this is really a, an example of that. And, you know, the 2007 Farm Bill, you were talking about some of the initiatives that would help farmers who are actually producing food for consumers. Yes. I mean, that's another way to get yes. really get the general public to see a benefit to changing farm policy. Yes. I I'll bet there's people listening to this podcast who are very concerned about the quality of food in their in their schools or their kids' schools. There's a government program called the Farm to Cafeteria Program, which assists local f communities mm -hmm. to bring local foods to the health, fr fr fresh, nutritious local foods to their to the cafeterias of the schools in their area. You know what it is for the United States? The whole United States, that program is $5 million a year. Wow. The subsidies for commodity crops in this country last year were $24 billion. <laughs> okay. Why is that worth $24 billion and our kids' health is worth $5 million? Right. That's what, when people start thinking about that, they want change. Yeah. So, yeah, it is exciting. I always, when we have street action going on, that's what we call it. We, we love street action. It's kind of a jazzy term, but it's, it's because it's got that pulse of energy. Uh, you know, every other day just about during the summer, we're going to be out there talking to passersby, people walking on a street corner, people at a farmer's market, people at some kind of an event, a community picnic, people in front of their grocery store, their co-op. And they're going to be able to take action on something that definitely affects their lives. It's money out of their pocketbook to pay for the, the farm bill that it is now. And, you know, the, it's, it's environmental damage. It's all these things. They can take action. And they're wanting to. And like I said, not only are people signing at a rate of 50 people an hour, but we get more volunteers out of it. So people will. You just need to figure out how to craft the message to get, okay, I've got 10 seconds of your attention. Now let's take three minutes of your attention. Mm -hmm. Now let's do an action. Okay, maybe that's where it stops for that person right then, but they'll remember that. Right. You know, Rachel came in from actually said, people said, oh, you're back out here. It's good to see you. I remember when you are out here last year. Yeah. And, you that's know, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of the justifications for the current farm policy is, well, you know, we're trying to provide a support price for farmers, and it's, uh, uh, you know, there's really nothing wrong with uh, rural economies that maybe a higher support price for corn or beans won't fix. But what we're, there's been a lot of really good research lately showing that uh yeah you're producing a lot of corn and beans in these particular areas but 
the wealth is not staying at home, that you're exporting your, not only your corn and beans, but you're exporting your, your wealth in the community, and you, you don't have true economic development. It's just kind of become a raw commodity export economy. Um, is there some things in the, that we're pushing in the 2007 farm bill that would kind of help deal with that, keep uh, really get at true rural economic development? Yeah, there's, there's kind of two, two things to say about it. One is, and just to, we actually don't provide a support price. What we do is provide a subsidy. Mm-hmm. If we were able to get that price up, then family farm livestock producers wouldn't have such this huge disadvantage between factory farms that are buying that low market corn and soybeans. So we're actually kind of saying we're supportive of, of, a, of a support price, but we want to end this subsidy system. But the main way that we see this happening is through uh, th- this, this new agriculture, this new kind of rural and, well, it's urban economy too, of local farms, direct marketing or, or selling at the farmer's market or through the co-op or through the Whole Foods or, or, or um, forming co-ops and marketing their butter and their cheese. Mm-hmm. That kind of new, new farm economy is an, right now an engine for economic development and economic growth and prosperity in rural communities. It's not a big enough engine yet. Right. We need to build that. And so that's what this new farm initiative is about. So I was out in western Minnesota yesterday and to see the diversity of farm-based enterprises from, you know, farmers producing food for other people to flowers to some processing that's going on to some joint marketing efforts, those are the things we need. We want to measure better the economic benefits of them and we want to grow that kind of economy. Um, part of that, too, is we think there ought to be fair living wages for workers, you know, uh, around these. So, mm-hmm. so if you're going to have a factory farm or a packing plant, how about if they, people get a living wage to work there right. so that we actually have vital rural communities? I mean, we shouldn't be oppressing people in order for somebody who ends up with the farmer's product at the end, the package of pork or the chicken. I mean, I read the other day that we're, we're raising chicken in factory farms here. We're shipping it to China to process and bringing it back here to eat. Now, how ridiculous is that? Yeah. And part of the reason we can do that is we don't pay our workers enough. So living wages is part of this too. But mostly it's about opportunity for small farms and medium-sized farms, for uh, farm-based businesses, for processors, for marketers. You know, we need to uh, provide opportunity for people to follow their dreams, to be entrepreneurs, to build their business, to support their families. That's what this country is about. We need to get back to it. To help out with LSP's Farm Bill Petition Drive or to learn more about our policy work in general, call 612-722-6377. That's 612-722-6377. More on the Conservation Security Program is available at www.landstewardshipproject.org backslash programs underscore csp dot html. That's www.landstewardshipproject.org backslash programs underscore csp.html. Send your comments and suggestions about this podcast to me, Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org. You can also call me at 612-729-6294. 
A special thank you goes out to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician and LSP staffer who provided Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a very special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member and would like to support us, go to landstewardshipproject.org to learn how to join LSP. Thanks for listening. Thank you.